Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. he wakes up to how serious the world is right now and how much we need to seriously going after the things of God because if you don't have any idea what's going on then you're going to be blindsided if if all these prayers don't achieve anything or achieve what we want and I'm going to teach today something God gave me from Moses and I know I'm teaching not just for you guys but for other for other people on there because it's super serious, the time we're in. But the end time warning is don't forsake the fellowshipping together of the believers in the last days, which is what closing the churches, causing them unessential, actually released over our nation. And so the people who don't seriously want to be part of church, there's, there's an issue there. Satan wants us too busy. He, he wants us anything but moving into all that God has for us. So... Hunger and thirst is up to you. The reason the Lord is pouring out in Asbury is because there's really hungry people there. Now, they didn't even know it, but somebody's prayed for that to happen. We need to be praying for that kind of outpouring at all of our colleges. So far, this hasn't hit too many non-Christian colleges. Um, so we need to really pray. We've got William and Mary. And that will be a real inconvenience for people who live where I live, but that's okay. We've got, we need University of, uh, Hampton University. We need Hampton University. That's where we need this outpouring to come. We need this outpouring to come to uh, Christopher Newport, to um, ODU, to Norfolk State, uh, UVA, VCU. We have a lot of colleges. So, Take the time to pray specifically for this outpouring to hit the colleges. Then we want it to hit people who don't go to college, right? We want it to hit people who don't go to college. We want to hit our young people. Now, I was asking the Lord, think about it. Who, those who saw the movie, if you didn't go see that, you need to go see this movie. This movie is definitely a movie you need to go see. Um, it's called Jesus Revolution. And, and it was really powerful to show how God brought in using one obedient church that got completely out of their comfort zone but decided they'd rather do the things of the kingdom than care about who's there and who's been. How many know I've already passed that test? Okay. I mean, I've already passed that test. So I was asking the Lord, who would be the hippies of today? Who would be the misfits and outcasts according to the church today? No, woke. The LGB, however many other letters they have behind their names, they are the outcast of the day as far as the church is concerned, right? Right? See, that kind of changes it like, oh, wait a minute. Um, the hippies were all peaceful. 
the real people falling for the woke stuff, for the most part, are peaceful. They're just looking to the wrong place for direction. Why am I telling you this? Because that is probably who God's going to bring into this church. Yay! You have to love unconditionally. We've done that. We have, lo- we have loved people who were bound to homosexuality. I could tell you some names and you'd be shocked, and I'm not going to. When they want to give their testimonies, they can. Who are living extremely loving God, productive lives. Because they received unconditional love, not judgment. Okay, and, and we, need to, we need to see how to do this. I wasn't going to preach this this morning. How do you do this? You get off of being self-righteous. You get away from thinking somebody's not reachable. You get over thinking you know so much. Not that I'm talking to the right people here, but I think sometimes you can come and know the truth. And instead of the truth setting you free, you can know the truth and start thinking that you're superior because you know the truth. Knowing the truth is so that you can go and reveal that to others. So people who are bound, and and let me say this, and it's time for everybody to realize, quit being so self-focused and start praying for others. You want to see God really move in your life and in your family? Quit making, if you've prayed a thousand times the same prayer for a family member or for yourself, how many know God knows what you're praying How many knows he needs you to probably do something else? Which is quit thinking about you and your problems and your family. Why? Because then in faith, you can begin to do what he has for you to do. And when you do that, all of a sudden, you're going to be changed to such a place that your family's going to recognize something's changed. Something's going on. What's happening here? Plus, the enemy has finally lost in keeping you bound by your problems. And I'm just, I, I just talk about me sometimes because I know my story. If I had waited until Mitchell was completely healed before I ever preached, taught, prayed, did radio, went on the internet, guess what? None of you would even know me. And I don't believe he would be healed. If Satan can cause your problems, relationship, health, whatever, if he can cause those problems to be the focus of your walk with God, then he knows how to keep you really limited in walking with God. Right? Now, I always put these disclaimers out there. This is not for people with a religious spirit who run after the things of God as an escape from dealing with what God wants to deal with you. But let me, and we're going to start that teaching this Tuesday. And, and I can really, I've got a really powerful story of something that could have been the difference of life and death because somebody was crossing into pretended faith instead of real faith. Pretended faith is a setup for the enemy to attack and win. And then you to wonder, what did I do wrong? And actually, pretended faith can be so bad that it can have you do something that even someone who doesn't know God wouldn't do. And the person who didn't know God could have got healing. For example, someone who a doctor diagnosed with cancer, like you're in the doctor's office, so you believe in doctors, why are you there? And then they diagnose you with cancer, but then you decide because God's word says by his stripes you're healed, you're not going to listen to that diagnosis and you just don't go for treatments and you just don't do anything. And you keep saying, God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. And then you die. And the doctors could have treated you at the very beginning and you wouldn't have died. 
How many think that's going to really make your family great supporters of God, your version of God? This happens all the time. It happens when people think that the doctors aren't telling them. Doctors are telling you what the devil is up to. Psychiatrists are telling you what the devil is up to. These professionals, these science people, science-minded, are looking at the data and telling you what the devil is up to. Don't pretend the devil isn't up to that. That's called pretended faith. So what do you do? Same thing, if your relationship is lousy, if this is lousy, you know, get, God doesn't say, just pretend everything's okay when it's not okay. That's pretended faith. When your finances look stinky and your business, no, I'm talking to you guys, I know your business is okay, but your business is closing down and things aren't working right, those are all signs something needs to change. Those are not all signs of let me just do spiritual warfare and nothing else. And there's a lot of people turned off to the charismatic movement, the faith movement, and all those things because their kids have watched pretended news. God's going after those kids who've seen pretended news with all the, with all the true signs. I love signs and wonders because God does them. But not everybody who's doing a sign of wonder is from God. And we're going to get into this. I really encourage you to come Tuesday nights or watch Tuesday nights because it's not a little issue. It's a gigantic issue in the church. It's a gigantic issue in the church. And, and I'm going to show you, you know, it's pretended faith to think that God is going to come and rescue America. Unless you hear from God, get a word from God, or doing what he shows you. And all you have to do is study the book of Moses. I loved how everybody, every prophet wanted to start off with the book of Moses. And this is all about the Red Sea moment and all this stuff. And guess what? If this is about the book of Moses, and actually about everything, it kind of connects back to, where not the book of Moses, but the books Moses wrote, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, all those. He, I think he wrote five of the books. So did he write Genesis too? I think somebody said he was the one who wrote Genesis. Anyway, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, there is so much truth about who God is and how he operates there that it's amazing. So the Jews can get this. But then you can read the entire Gospels and also see how this works. And so you guys have been taught how it works. And I'm just going to say this prophetically. Quit focusing on you. 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 Your focus isn't on Jesus. When he can, then the enemy can make you self-focused, then it's all what you're doing and how much strength you're having. And there's no faith in that. There's just how bad this is, okay? Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. No matter what point of a trial you're in, you have to focus on Jesus. This is all about Jesus. Okay, this isn't about leadership, okay? That's where the enemy wants everybody to focus on leaders. This isn't about leaders. This focus is on Jesus. The entire focus is on Jesus. When you're ministering to somebody and the focus isn't on Jesus, then, then you've, they're off focus. They're not running the right race. 
How do we focus on Jesus? How about read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see him and ask. You, you know in your own heart if you think about him for real every day and get up and talk to him and talk to him at night. Focus on Jesus. If like, well, he, he doesn't talk back. You're focused on you. Find me a scripture that says he's not talking to you. He wrote, he's got an entire word. Have you read it all? Have you sat there and read it and asked God to teach you? Until you've done that, don't say he's not talking to you. And if you do that, you'll find out he's talking to you. If you're born again, make sure you're born again. Make sure you're born again. How do you get born again? You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he literally died for your sins, that he really is real. And if he is in your life, something has changed. So don't discount what he's already done and how he's changed you. Amen? But get out of the self thing. If that's a part of the thing, like turtle mode here. <laughs> Do what David did. Recount. Like if you didn't listen to, I think it was last Tuesday. I pre I've been preaching so much. Tuesday, go and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. It should be on Facebook. I don't know for how long. Go and save it. If a teaching's on Facebook and you then save it. Then you can listen to it all you want. You don't have to pay the $15 mentorship fee to go and watch it and all the other videos. All right? This is good news. Okay, I preach really good news. I don't preach, pretend, let's all have a party. We'll have a party when he wants us to have a party. We're seriously not in a season for parties right now. The whole body of Christ is not in the season for parties right now. The entire world is not in a season for parties right now. What does that mean? That means the joy of the Lord is my personal strength. My hanging out with God, hearing God, walking with God, listening to God, enjoying God is my strength. Delight yourself in the Lord. He doesn't say, pray, 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 pray. Say the same things. Pray for the same people a hundred times. He says, delight yourself in him. And I'll give you the desires of your heart. He actually asks me all the time, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what can I do for you? And I go, well, Lord, gosh, I'm blessed here, blessed there. And of course, I put a little prayer in, a request about my kids and things. But do you understand? I'm not boasting. I don't, I'm not trying to have a bigger building. I'm really not even trying to have a bigger ministry. I just want to do his will. I just want to do his will, whatever that looks like. And I believe it's going to look like training and equipping people to help the woke, the misfits. See, you want to be a misfit um, to the world. You don't want to be a misfit to God. Okay? You want to be a misfit to the world. You don't want to be a misfit to God. Do you see the difference? See, everything is twisted depending on where you're coming from. So when God says, I want you to go and rescue the misfits, he's talking about the people that the world are embracing and bringing in who are looking for something real. Well, we, gotta have, we have to have some real God power to do what God wants done. But we have to love. We have to really care. We have to really care about all the people who, because of their, the lies and the fear based on skin color, we've got to start having people really, really care that they know the truth. Not that, not anything else. 
They need the truth. The truth has always been there. The truth will set them free. They need to know. We got to get that kind of heart. You need to have a heart that your kids know truth. We're really in serious times. If you don't understand the times we're in, you've walked into, you've walked into delusion. We are in such serious times. Every grandmother here should, should embrace every bit of pouring God into your grandkids that you can. You know, there's a time to be sober. The Bible says be sober. The Satan, your enemy, is going around looking whom he can devour. Well, that's the season we're in. We are in the be sober hour. Which they're still going to have joy in the be sober hour, right? But the main place you're going to get it, the only place you get real joy is from God. And so the enemy is looking to see what he still owns in you. So when he starts to show you what he owns in you, run to the altar. Run and get help. Quit trying to hide or pretend it's not there, what Satan is trying to, to cash in on. Because I'm telling you, we're in that season. We're in that season where the enemy is looking for what does he own in you? What does he own in your children? What does he own in your spouse? What does he own? What does he own in this church? What does he own? So everybody wake up. We're in that season. And that's good because there's the power of God and the truth to set you free. But you have to see this from who God is and not how long you've struggled with it or not how long you've hid it or any of those things. See, what's happening where there's revival and, and where the revival seems to be breaking out, there's not a lot of revelation from the word of God in a lot of those places. But all of a sudden, these people who didn't even believe there was a God are feeling the presence of God and they're running to the altar saying, we want you, we know this is awesome. This is amazing. We really want God. My heart is that you guys get to a place where you're with God all the time. All the time. He's, he's calling a people to enter into his rest where you literally walk and breathe and live in him and you're ready to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. And he's always on your thoughts. And the enemy is trying to see to lie to you, to deceive you, to make you think that your hidden sin is okay, that your lukewarm heart, nobody can tell, that the areas of pain are still real. Okay, how many know the answer is Jesus? But you have to get honest with him. And you get honest with him, not talking about who you are. Talk about who he is. See, he's the one. He's the one who's going to deliver your kids. He's the one who's going to heal your bodies. He's the one. He's the one. He's already paid. His spirit's already been released. Okay. It's when you get to the end of you and give everything to him that he sets you free. What he's doing now, pouring out his spirit on all flesh, is going to continue. Praise God. But the question is, what is the church going to do with that? So can I tell you this? Know the gospel. The gospel is powerful. That Jesus Christ loves you 
unconditionally, loves your children unconditionally, loves everyone unconditionally, that he died and paid the price for all your sin is a reality that is good news. It's a reality that's good news. And that teaching filled up the churches in the 1970s with people who didn't understand the gospel because they were brought up in religion. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. If you do this, God's going to be bad. Don't, we don't do this. Dress a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. That's a religious spirit, okay? That's full of pretended faith. That's a form of godliness denying the power of God. It's hurt a lot of people. We're going to be talking about that on Tuesday nights. We need to get free from that. It's easy to kind of walk back into that a little bit when you're see, doing everything right. But there's a lot more to the gospel. The Holy Spirit comes in to the believers and you're born again. And you have then the opportunity to yield to God for the first time and be set free. Now, when they're saying everybody gets set free then and there, it's not, that's not true. Can it happen? Yes. Is it the normal? Is that, does everybody think all those kids and all those people in this outpouring, or does everybody think all those hippies got free? No, even Ronnie or Lonnie did not get free. He did start moving in the gifts. And Chuck Smith was like, I don't want this to be about that. And how many know that was probably God who didn't want that to be about that? Because look what it did. But those people, many of them went on to be part of Morningstar, Vineyard, all these things that God has done. That movement has never stopped. It started the charismatic movement, okay? And then guess from that, the Vineyard movement, which is what uh, Ronnie Winnen was part of next, Alani, I keep calling Ronnie Lonnie, was part of next, the vineyard movement is what was happening when Toronto started. And then there was a division because John Arnott knew that he was okay with signs and wonders. And he was okay with this going into a place of deliverance. And guess what the T Toronto anointing did, people? That it goes all the way back to this outpouring there, which will actually go back to the outpouring before that. But what did it do? It actually brought healing the brokenhearted places. It was a move of inner healing. And there was a, it also was a movement that God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. But counterfeit came into that too, okay? Right? But the people who only want God got God. And the people who only want the Holy Spirit got the Holy Spirit. And the people who got what was real still have what is real. And they're going to move. I can pray, and you know this, I can pray and I can shake the, the heavens, Right? Because I embraced what God called me to do. I'm not boasting on me. I'm boasting. My confidence is in him. My confidence is he is the one who brought me to this place. And I can really pray. But I can only pray when he tells me to pray. Because I can only do what I see my father doing. And I run off and try to do things he's not doing because it's a good thing to do. But I can't do anything. I was just this week at Caleb's here. We're so happy babies coming home this week. But I was like, I said, God, 
let me and Karen go and lay hands on him and pray because there was an issue with his little vocal cord. And so I said, God, I'll do that. You know, I'll get in the car tomorrow. We're supposed to put something together that whole day. I guess it was Thursday. Yeah, I, I stayed inside on an 80 degree day. Does anybody know how much that is a God thing? People are like, why? Because that's what he had me doing. We did go for a walk later in the afternoon. I, I changed my plans of gardening and my whole wonderful day because he wanted to put the YouTube thing out and Karen Nicole, and it was awesome. But then I was willing to lay that down to drive up to UVA or v, where is it? UVA to pray for the baby. Because I could probably get in because I'm a pastor. Otherwise, you can't get in. And the Lord said, well, why would you do that? I said, well, I'm willing to do it because I know you're willing to do that. He said, but that's not what I'm doing. They're going to get faith. They're going to run this race. They're going to learn how to pray. They're going to be humbled. They're going to do what they need to do to grow in me. So God is going to destroy the covering doctrine. Because the covering doctrine makes you want to look to a person to do what God's requiring you to do. And you may say, yeah, but that person, they might be able to do this better than me. Well, aren't you kind of glad that there's some people who hear God maybe better than you do? Right? But how many know they probably went through something and died to self and got in the word and got hungry to hear God better than you do? And how many want to kind of believe that God wants you to hear God for yourself? And how many know when God decides this is how we're doing something, that's how you're doing something? And so God is going to shake everything that can be shaken, and he's going to get rid of that doctrine. I call it, it's really a doctrine of demons, where people want to look to a person to do what he wants them to learn to do in them. While they submit themselves to authorities, while they are part of the whole body of Christ, the whole idea, it's a whole big picture. But Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 I'm not going to just have a few people who know me, walk with me, and hear me. I'm going to have an entire body of believers who walk with me, hear me, and obey me. Right? Okay, how many know you can beg and 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 beg for him to do something different? But he's going to do what he's already planned to do. And how many know this is real? So pretended faith isn't going to win it. It's easy to tell if somebody's in pretended faith. They're full of fear, full of anxiety, trying their best to call all the shots, and the whole time saying, almost thinking, God's got to do this. What's real faith look like? Somebody who's broken before the Lord, crying out to God, asking God for wisdom, asking God to help, asking for more faith, asking God to teach them his ways. That's what real faith looks like. Real faith is asking God, teach me, teach me your ways, teach me your ways, oh God. And real faith will actually get you focused on a real Jesus and not just on what you want from Jesus. And that's why he says, count it all joy, because he has a purpose in every single trial. 
And aren't, I won't say that. How many know he's not like a natural father who can be manipulated? And how many know that he sees, the Holy Spirit sees what the Father wants? Jesus is the mediator between what the Father wants and what is really going on. He's ever interceding for you. Isn't that awesome that even though he is the commander of hosts, he's actually praying. Jesus himself is praying for your situation. Wait, let that sink in a minute. Jesus himself is praying for your situation. Your financial situation, your future plans, your family situation, your situation where there's hurt or bondage, your situation where your family's a mess or whatever. He is interceding for you. How many know that if you want a prayer of agreement that's powerful, find out what he's praying and agree with him? Find out what he's praying and agree with him. And let me tell you this. When he looks at what the Father sees and he sees you free and he sees you healed and he sees you perfect in him, he's not going to agree with your prayer to get out of that trial easy. Right? If you got out of your trial super easy, guess what is looking for you down the road? <laughs> you almost need that to, okay, God, get as much mileage out of, you, of this as you can without hurting me too bad. And please, let's get to the end that's promised in your word. Pretended faith jumps you off of that real path and onto a path where you decide what God's word has to say and you decide how he has to do it. And there's even people who preach this mess. You command God. You are ridiculous if you command God to do anything. Can I just say, you, are, you do not have the fear of the Lord if you command God. You don't have the fear of the Lord if you question in a negative way God. You need to start every conversation with God with a holy reverence to say, I know you're right, but could you show me this? And actually, that's how I got to the whole thing when I, when I wanted to run and just go pray because I knew the power of God's in me. But he's in you too. But, but let's get away from, but then if he says where to go, you better go there. Because he knows who has the power of God he wants released right now. But just because he wants it released right now, doesn't mean that person has authority to release it when they want to release it. Because all of a sudden we wouldn't need God, we just need to hang out with people who know God. And none of this was ever said. Jesus didn't die, so you can hang out with people who know God. Holy Spirit wasn't sent into you to sit around doing nothing all day in you and walking in little circles while you live a normal life so that you can run to somebody who lives a yielded life. Let me put, let me put this bulletin, 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 bulletin. God's not going to change this because of you and your flesh and the way you want to do things. Beep, 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 beep. 
God's not going to change who he is and what he's after and what he's going to do because it would be easier for you. And if you haven't listened to Tuesday night, I'm not going to repeat it. You need to go listen to Tuesday night. If you were sleeping while you were listening to Tuesday night, go listen to it when you're awake. If you're like, gosh, I think I need to listen to it again, you do. Tuesday night was powerful. It was powerful to tell you how to do what God wants you to do and how to do it. And guess what? There can be, I, if somebody says the five steps to something, realize it's just trying to catch your attention. There are no steps. There are spiritual principles. I could preach any of those principles I taught on Tuesday night in any order I wanted to preach them. It's not like, okay, do this now. Okay, we did that. Do this now. This is life. This is life in the spirit and line upon line, precept upon precept, glory to glory, line upon line. You don't leave one line upon line, precept and glory to jump over to another. You build with it. You build with it. You build with it. You build with it. And so, and you can really study the things on Moses. And see, this is how our God works. And you know, it is extreme pride when you think you could do God's job better than God. One of the biggest things in the entire body of Christ today is the invasion of pride. And we can be so prideful we don't even know we have it. <laughs> we can be so prideful we just think we're right. Do you know it's the things you're right about that you're going to be more prideful about <laughs> than the things you're wrong about? So when God's bringing a people to a place of revelation to move into the, the bride of Christ, to move into the apostolic power, the temptation for pride is going to be greater than any other temptation there is. The temptation to sin is not even, I, I, I don't even get tempted to sin that much, hardly at all. It's just like, but pride is a whole different thing. Thinking if you don't do it this way, then it's not right. If you don't handle that this way, then it's not right. If a revival doesn't look like this, then it's not right. Well, if we had it here, is that, and the Lord's like, it's like we've got to deal with pride. If God doesn't do it this way, then, then that's not right. I'm not going to look as good as I would look at. Does, does everybody get it? God doesn't really care that you look good. He's much more about you being humble. He's much more about you being humble. We'll say that again. He's much more about you being humble. Why? Because he resists the proud. You know what? He doesn't want to resist you. Does anybody in here want God resisting you? Well, would you rather look kind of humble and people realize, well, they didn't know what they're doing. That didn't work out like they thought. Blah, 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 blah. You know, who are you to judge another man's servant? For to his master, he'll stand or he'll fall. And the word of God says he will stand. It's prideful for you to judge. It's prideful for you to judge why that didn't work out the way you thought they thought it should work out. By the way, I'm not saying this because there's anything wrong with the baby. Just so everybody knows, he's supposed to be coming home this week. Okay? 
I can preach stuff and it not be about that. Plus, I'm talking to a lot of different people all the time, and I really do preach from real life, but I preach from the word. What is God showing you about you? And if he's not showing you anything about you, why not? Why not? We need to get to be a people where we don't live in condemnation. Therefore, God can show me anything he wants to show me whenever he wants to show me, and I ask him to show me. We seriously haven't asked, seek, and knock God. That's really one of his principles. Someone was asking for an outpouring of the Spirit. I know there have been people praying for years for an outpouring of the Spirit. I guarantee you in the Methodist church with, with a three-way split that's going on right now, there were a lot of people crying out for the youth. There were a lot of people crying out for God's Spirit. When he comes, it may not be what they were crying out for. When he comes here and in the way he's going to come here when he decides to bring the woke crowd into here it's probably not going to be the way some of you were crying out for how many know i actually get excited about setting people free that most people wouldn't try i kind of get that anointing to take the giant down But, I, but I'm going to say, for those who've been here a long time, get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes off of me. And get your eyes on Jesus. Because there should be a lot of victory in your life. There should be some breakthrough. This isn't supposed to be a 30 or 40 year plan to start walking in the power of God. Do, every, do what the Lord showed me to teach you on Tuesday night as if your trial is brand new. And I'm not judging. It's This stuff isn't easy. How many know this stuff isn't only not easy? This stuff is impossible. This is impossible. It's impossible for a human being to get themselves free. You can take on new demons to counsel yourself with self-help stuff. You can shove everything down deep and pretend it's not there and try to put on a happy face. But how many know that God does the impossible? And we need to be thankful when he does the impossible. He carried my sorrow and grief. That's impossible for me to have done. That's impossible. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Why aren't you bitter? Because he's not the one who took my daughter out early. He's the one who took her to heaven where she's in the cloud of witness having an awesome life, an abundantly abundant life. So I'm not going to get into condemnation and judge God as if he were the devil. I understand who the devil is and I understand who God is. And I see a perfect distinction between the two. And it's time some of you get that distinction between the two. God is not the one who hurt you ever. He's the one who died before you were ever even born, knowing you'd be hurt so he could heal you and set you free. And it's up to you to get over what the devil did to you by getting victory and meaning it. 
To judge God in his ways is the highest level of demonic pride that there is. It's the highest level of demonic pride that there is, is to think that you could do the God thing better. Well, if it was me, I don't want you to be my God. And you should say the same to me. I don't want, I don't want to try to figure out everything. I just want to reason with God because he tells me to. We, need the t- we had better be a people who humble ourselves and quit doing what they did in the days of Moses, which we'll go into that. So I was praying. I wasn't praying. I was sleeping. I kind of pray without ceasing, so I pray a lot in my prayers in my sleep. And the other night, I don't know, what, probably Thursday night or something, over and over, whatever I was dreaming, at the very end, I'd have this repeat dream, like four or five times. And I wouldn't wake up enough to deal with it. I'd wake up enough to think about it and go back to sleep. And this very quick little dream, at the end of whatever else, whatever I was dreaming, whatever was going on in my thinking when I was sleeping, I'd have this dream, and it was about two chemicals that were going to be released that caused cancer. And in the dream, I'd see a chemical thing here and a chemical thing there, and then I just would hear like a warning, these are going to be used to cause cancer. So first time I kind of wake up, I'm like, "Uh, we've already prayed that, go back to sleep. Then I had the same thing again. Two, like four or five times that night. And at one point I woke up and said, Lord, I just break the power of this affecting Hampton Roads and I just break the power of this affecting my sons and Lord, keep them away from chemicals that could combine it. So finally I woke up and it was like 5.30 and I was kind of more awake. And I said, okay, God, like four or five times, I don't know which, four or five times you've given me the same dream, real fast dream. This must be serious. Forgive me for not waking up more the first time. What are you telling me? So I went and looked up pestilence. Now everybody knows all this stuff going on with trains and all this stuff going on with, with these things going on. And I, I do believe there is a demonic plan. Just to be honest, the I gotta watch how I say this because we're on there. The um, combination of chemicals that they put in people's bodies to try to prevent something that was manufactured in a lab was pestilence. That whole thing is pestilence. That whole thing is pestilence. So if you want to kind of get some revelation how to pray, you need to go look at pestilence. It's the pestilent effect of all of that that is causing long-term complications for some people, cause death for people, cause is still causing um, part of what they said was a solution to that of putting these chemicals together is actually causing more. Uh, actually, they're now saying it may be actually getting closer to more real complications, even death than the other that nobody can stop because, oh my gosh, these, uh, this pestilence, let's call it that, is staying in the body way longer than supposedly they thought it would. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so what do you do for that? Will you pray, no poison shall harm you? 
and you pray it sincerely and you get down before God and you ask him to make that word real. And you don't pray it in pretended faith. You pray it with the revelation and you take it seriously and you take seriously every single thing the enemy is releasing against the world right now. The biggest difference in what's going on right now, biblically, time-wise, than any other time in history is because it's worldwide. This is a worldwide event. Outside of some major wars that brought a lot of people in the world into a war, this is maybe the first thing that has hit so many people that they're trying to organize the whole world system around it. And it's amazing the ones trying to organize the whole world system around ones are the same ones who've had so much to do with what's being released. Let's just call it Babylon. So we've prayed for people. We've interceded for people. We've been here Friday nights and we prayed. But I want everyone to know you need to take seriously the hour we're living in. Okay, can I say this? That you get to do that is a privilege and it's good news. I'm kind of over everybody looking so sad when God made a way of escape for us that no one else has and divine protection for our families that no one else has and a way to take care of us that no one else has that we truly can plead the blood of Christ over our doorposts of our homes, of our communities, that we can be safe when no one else can and it's time to really wake up and realize we need God and we need his provision in this hour and we need to understand how real this is because we live in a nation that wants to watch tv all the time and do and watch horror on hollywood but think in their own lives everything's always fine when we have an entire world that is really hurting and not just our area but everywhere not just your skin color but every skin color not just your financial situation but every financial situation it's time to quit protecting yourself in your little bubble and begin to realize we have the good news. We have the good news of this hour. We have a good news of who Jesus Christ is and he paid for our sins. That's really important because without our sins paid for, we cannot enter into the promises of God. Does everybody get that? Jesus came and did away with your sin issue if you let him. So that you can enter in to all that he has for you. And he has a special covenant protection for you and your family because you recognize the cross. You recognize what he paid for. You recognize he sent his Holy Spirit in to make it real. And you're like, you know what? This is good news. This is good news. This is good news that no matter what happens... I have a God who's already made a way of escape. I have a God who has a plan of action. And it's his plan of action you need for your personal life. It's your plan of action. Not what you want him to be and what you want him to say. And let me say this. Everything begins with repentance. Whether you like it or not, you, everything. Why don't you like it? We're the only people who can repent. We're the only people who can say, ah, that was wrong thinking. That was prideful. That was me wanting my way. That was me blaming God. That was me blaming my parents. That was me. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. And mean it. 
When you're not in condemnation, you only have to pray that one time. And then you go on with God. And then whatever consequences come up because of that issue, you ask God for wisdom. How do I do this? Without repentance, there is no God intervention. Just get that. Without repentance, there is no God intervention. The reason these people, these young kids are running up and repenting is because God, that's what happens when his presence comes. And if you harden your heart enough to not feel that repentance, you need to pray for God to soften your heart. We need to pray for God to soften the hearts of people. We need to pray for God to go to the seared consciences and to give them uh, an opportunity to want him. And we need to get a heart for that, but not a heart for compromise. You, you can go a lot of places, especially if you tithe. And you can live the most filthy life you want to live, but as long as you tithe, you're going to be welcome there. Some places you're just going to be welcome there because you're a person there. Let me say this. You're welcomed here no matter what, but you ought to be awful uncomfortable after a while if Holy Spirit isn't convicting you. You ought to be so uncomfortable that something's wrong. Because conviction leads to repentance. Repentance leads to a change. Change leads to a deeper relationship with God. It always works like that. It always works like that. But when we reject people before they even know who he is, then that's religious. And let me say this. Let me just say this. For people who've come to this church before, and then they went and lived like the devil, I still pray that they'll get saved. They don't have to come back in this church to get saved. If they're serious, they will go to a church. I'm not the nursery for people who want to be enabled to stay in their sin. I don't want people who want to keep sinning blatantly sin, live hypocritical lives, totally serve the devil, and come in here and smile. I don't want them smiling in here. The Bible tells us not to let that happen. The Bible tells us, don't fellowship with them. He, he warns that sometimes in your love feast, these times we're all together sharing wonderful times, you got people who are in blatant sin. He says, stop that. That's in the word. I believe the word. But when somebody new walks in or somebody who's never come before or you bring somebody who, who's totally unsaved, we don't expect them to be cleaned up. Right? We don't expect them to be cleaned up. And we know God takes the times and the seasons for all that. He knows who was raised one way and who was raised another way and what needs to happen. He knows where the lies are. And that's what we kind of do. We kind of keep being yielded to the Holy Spirit to find where are the lies? What do we do? How do we break this down? But I'm going to tell you this. God is looking and preparing ministries like this to know how to set the captives free. Heal the brokenhearted places, set the captives free, open the eyes of the blind, and completely set at liberty those who are bound. You have a part in that, both as God begins to do that here, but in your own lives. You have got to decide today if Jesus Christ is your Lord or if the enemy is still in charge of who you think you are. 
You have to decide that. Nobody's going to decide that for you. And when you decide it, you make it a yes and you mean it and you do whatever it takes led by God to say yes to God and no to the enemy. Some spirits only come out with fasting and prayer. If you need to fast and you need to pray, and let me say, fasting isn't just about not eating. It is about taking the time to hang out with God and put away the things of the flesh. Well, how many know that's going to be the things of the flesh? Whatever things in your flesh are telling you to sin, whatever things in your flesh or have a hold on you, you have to fast those things. Well, how do you know if it's possible? I'll tell you it's possible. If they stick you in a jail cell and they have cameras on you nonstop, it'll be amazing what you'll stop doing. That's why, uh, that's why um, alcoholism is not a disease. You get in a jail cell, you have cameras on you, and guess what? You're not going to be drinking for a while. But if you have cancer and they take you and they put you in a jail cell, guess what? You're still going to have cancer. So let's quit with the terminology that there's nothing you can do about it. Christ lives in you. You call on him. You ask him to help you. You repent. And he knows when you're re repenting means I'm turning away from the sin. You got to grow up. Everybody has to grow up. Those who are watching have to grow up. You decide who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve drugs and addiction? Are you going to serve pornography? Are you going to ser serve um, filthy stuff? Are you going to serve gluttony? Or who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? It's not, this isn't, hmm. this isn't multiple choice. A, B, and C. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve the devil. I'm going to serve them both because he understands. C is not an option. When you choose C, what does the Bible call you? Two things. Lukewarm and double-minded. Okay, double-minded, he can't answer your prayers. What's lukewarm? He's going to throw you up. So you have to decide. Could I make this a little easier on you? How about decide without being thrown up? There are some people who used to go to this church who've been thrown up. They have to decide. You can't decide for them. They have to literally come to a place to decide that they want Jesus Christ as Lord and they don't want the filth anymore. Why does she always preach like this? Because it's his word and it's true. And it, it's awesome he's pouring out his spirit on all these young people to show them God is real. But there's going to be a five-fold ministry who needs to preach the true word of God with the love of God. Anyone is welcome in this place. But if a hypocrite walks in who used to serve God and they're not repentant and they haven't turned from their sin, they're not welcomed. Because we're not helping them. See, there needs to be a real altar. It doesn't need to be a place. It needs to be a real spirit of conviction. God, forgive me. 
God, forgive me. It's not a happy, fun thing. There's a move of the Spirit happening. Now that person we were talking about earlier who was used powerfully by God, it doesn't take away what God did, but it's sad for that person to have returned to their vomit and ended up dying of AIDS. Does that take away from what God has done? No. God's faithful even when we're not. Isn't it amazing that God can... Let me put it this way. God can use me. He can use you. But if we don't deal with the heart issues and we start living the hypocritical life and we return, when the enemy comes in to see if can I get them back and he can, then isn't it merciful if God gives you enough time on a sick bed to repent? How many would like to avoid the sick bed part and just really repent? That's the good news. The good news is we, we serve a God who's real. We serve a God who's holy. We serve a God who knows his power. And he doesn't compromise. So when I was praying the other night, I thought I wouldn't get back to that. So when I was praying the other night, I asked the Lord about the dream. And he said, um, so as I looked at pestilence, I didn't get the answer that I had hoped for. Because I had hoped for an answer where we could all meet together this morning and pray against pestilence, pray against these chemicals that people know if they mix together and they're able to somehow release those, they can kill or hurt a lot of people. How many know we prayed last week, Sunday morning? I believe that was a powerful prayer. There was at least... Uh, quite a few occasions where they saw tracks that were mixed and stuff in different places. There was another uh, crash, but it did not include any chemicals. And there's just a lot of strange stuff going on in there. When I went to look at pestilence, <clears throat> one of the things I think we should all do and pray, we need to break the power and bind those ingredients from coming together to cause cancer as a pestilence. By means, we need to forbid them. We need to forbid them in our community. We need to forbid them in our area. We need to forbid them from going down these tracks. And we need to forbid them. And we kind of did that last week. But I really feel like God is saying, this assignment is really big. And we need to loose whistleblowers. Ho! We need to loose people who know this is being thought of, being talked about, to come forth. Okay. Now, this was kind of wild. So I was asking God, what is going on? And when you look at pestilence, I don't have time to read. All, it's like five books of the Bible, so I don't have time, big books of the Bible. So I really don't have time to go over them thing by thing. You can if you want. But I looked in Exodus 5 about the Pharaoh because it talks about pestilence there, right? Why? Were the pestilence released with Pharaoh? Okay, so what happened with Pharaoh? Moses and Aaron would get before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then God would actually even harden the heart of Pharaoh. In other words, God would say, no, he's not serious yet about who I am. 
He's not serious yet about who I am. And so God would allow the, the plagues to come. He would allow the peasants. He would allow the things that would come. You see all this repeated in the book of Revelations when we get down to the very last of the last days, which we're getting close to. What was God's intention? And he actually tells you he wants to see the people who don't know God recognize that there is a God that a certain people know. Okay, let me say that clear. He wanted the people who do not know God, who dwelled in the same nation with the people who did know their God. And he wanted the people who didn't know God to see that God was real. Now, how could he see that? Because the people of God were protected. The people of God weren't impacted. And the people in God kept insisting, we want to be in a place where we're free to worship God. Does everybody get So first of all, get excited and get serious about wanting to live in a nation that's free to worship God. That should be one of your main, main concerns on who you vote for, your main, main concern on how you pray for this nation, not about your finances, not about anything that's convenient or nice. You should have this unbelievable desire that I don't want anyone to take the Bible from me. I don't want anyone to say I can't raise my kids to know God. I don't want anyone to say I can't pray for the sick. I don't want anyone to say I can't go to the nations and preach the word. I don't want anybody to take away my relationship with God from being able to be public. Oh, that needs to be what we're really doing, even as the church. That's what you need to be doing for your prayers to have any authority and power over pestilence. And then we need to understand, oh my goodness, we, have a, we live in a filthy nation. We live in a nation where the church really became non-essential as far as the world's concerned. And we voted for who we wanted, who's going to help us financially, or who we thought would take care of us as if we didn't already have a God and a deliverer. And we didn't deal with issues. And God has shaken everything that can be shaken, right? But you have to recognize he's not just going to take away everything we pray for him to take away. No matter how many prophets prophesy it. Because God has an intention right now. There's an intention in the world right now. Know who knows God. How would they know that these Moses and these people knew God? Because their desire was to worship. It was amazing that Sean Foots would have so much um, love for God and worship and so obedient to God that he would go in the midst of lockdowns and, and all kinds of fines and trying to be arrested and everything. And he would worship God and people would show up to worship God. That impacts people. It impacts people. When people say, no, we're worshiping God no matter what. I'm going no matter what. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing no matter what. So, so God is looking for a church who will be different than the world. He's looking for a church that's not all about money and all about you and all about your life, but it's actually about serving God, loving God. Revealing God. All right? 
I mean, if you read Exodus 5, 3, let's just go there real fast. Exodus 5, 3. Exodus 5, 3. And they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us go a journey of three days into the wilderness and sacrifice to Jehovah our God that he strike us, that he not strike us with the plague or with the sword. Okay. This is really powerful. Get this because we're living in a dangerous time. That same principle is a principle today. It's the same principle in the book of Revelations. Do you want these pestilence to not touch you and your family? And God requires you to worship him and have a sacrifice of praise for him. In other words, he wants your undivided attention. If you want the divine protection that belonging to him gives you. Not a little bit of your attention, not your one hour devotion in the morning. He wants your undivided attention. Now you can have, he can have your undivided attention while you work, but does he? He can have your undivided attention while you do whatever you do with your free time, but does he? He can have your undivided attention in your relationships, in your home, but does he? Get honest. Who, let me tell you, when you think just about you, God doesn't have your undivided attention. He just has your whining prayers saying he's not faithful. And that calls for repentance. You need to do, what are my motives? What are my real motives? See, I, I, I pray that I don't have any, I know I don't have a motive for making a lot of money doing this. God took care of that. I know I don't have a motive to be seen by people. You need to say, what is your motives at work? What is your motives in your house? What is your motives? What, what's really going on in your heart? Why are you doing what you're doing? That everybody's not called to the fivefold ministry. But everybody's called to give God their undivided attention. To be a person who prays without ceasing. Think about it. Really think about it. Don't you think it's pretty wise that God has his people everywhere? And that his people can then pray? And his people can then bring divine protection? His people can be light and darkness? His people can help in this hour? Isn't it amazing that he even sent truly his people into the concentration camps to the Jews and gave them grace to see probably thousands of Jews get saved. Nothing would speak louder to a group of people than to have somebody lay down their lives to go and suffer the same way they're suffering and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many would really say the westernized version of Christianity has gotten way off track? How many would say God is putting it back on track? How many would say what these young people need now that the Holy Spirit's pouring on them is a revelation of what the true gospel is and who the true God is and how much grace is and what grace will really do? So then I was reading that and I thought, okay, Lord, so what happens to get Pharaoh in America? What does it mean to let God's people go? 
we don't have a leader who has all power. What do we have? We have a republic. Now, every nation's different. We have a republic. So we have state uh, leaders. You have city leaders. Everything is broken down into different individual leaders, right? And so for us to get rid of this Pharaoh, we have to do what the Lord shows us to do and cry out enough against this Pharaoh uh, controlling spirit in our schools, in the churches, in the mayor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like right now, we should be agreeing and praying for what happened in Ohio that something that they make so much noise that all of a sudden they have to be heard. And guess what? The Pharaoh spirit has to bow its knee. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as you pray, quit just, I'm not saying you guys, but some of you guys, quit acting as if this is somebody else's job to do. Quit acting as if this doesn't matter. This matters so much. Very few nations have stayed in power over a couple hundred years. Even Israel was sent all over the place and then brought back. They didn't go have a great life for quite a few uh, hundred years, hundreds and hundreds of years, right? So, so get out of the theology that no matter what, the USA is going to be okay. Get into the revelation that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll go through whatever. I'm going to have the grace to go through what I have to go through. But also know that he's given us an opportunity to break the power of the Pharaoh spirit. And by having our eyes on him and worshiping him and shining in darkness and not letting the enemy take any more ground. So what does this mean for you personally? This means if your kids are in public school, you need to be the ones at those school meetings. You need to be the ones screaming and shouting. We need to quit being the people wanting somebody else to do it for us. If your kids are in public school and that's where they need to be, then get in that school and fight. Get involved. No matter what else you're involved in, nothing is as powerful as you going not only to rescue. You really want to rescue your child in public school? You better rescue the whole school. Because then the teachers are going to be rescued. And the administrators are going to be rescued. Then the friends are going to be rescued. You had better take serious. I remember um, this was a Christian school that I was at years ago. But it wasn't a Christian. I was, I was a long-term sub. I never did that in my life. I, was, I don't even, can't even believe I did that. And, um, and so they hired me in because I think a teacher was pregnant. was going to have a baby. So I had like two months or something. And um, I'll never forget it. And, and the kids weren't Christian, like some of them were, but this school's was evangelical. They wanted to bring non-Christians in. They had the lowest rates in town. So a lot of people's kids went there. They had a really good daycare service, all this kind of stuff. So all the kids weren't necessarily saved. And they came from all different backgrounds. They did not push a specific background, though all the teachers were, were saved, probably charismatic saved, uh, spirit-filled, and the administrators. But you weren't, you weren't supposed to touch the kids or pray for them or anything. So I'm in this room, and I get this idea from the Holy Spirit, because we're studying Africa, to show a video of Africa. And the one I picked had Benny Hinn in it. So I show this video of Africa and Benny Hinn in Africa and having crusades in Africa. You guys, I'm sitting there at my desk just trying, I don't even know why I was there. 
and kids started falling out of their seats, screaming Jesus. Shaking on the floor. Not just a few of them. One girl whose dad said that I couldn't be a minister because I was a woman and I would go to hell. She got up, started screaming Jesus and ran in the bathroom and wouldn't quit screaming Jesus. Well, when it broke out, all the other classes in that area were on a field trip at our class. So we were like the only ones up there. And this went on all day. So the next day I came and all the kids wanted me to read the Bible to them. Like nobody would do recess. They just wanted me to read the Bible to them. I was like, everywhere I went, the kids followed me. And we, I sit down and they sit down. So I shared the word of God and prayed for everybody. I never touched anybody. Finally, about day three, the principal calls me in. He says, Cindy, we have some parents concerned. Tell me what's happened. So I told him, he goes, did you touch anybody? I said, no, I didn't do anything. Actually, I was going to try to stop it because it got really wild. And the Holy Spirit said, you didn't start it. Don't you stop it. I didn't do anything special. I mean, I was led the Holy Spirit to show the video. I wasn't expecting the kids to fall out of their seats and start shaking. Up. I wasn't expecting kids to follow me around in the playground for until I until my assignment was over at that school that nobody even won at recess. I wasn't expecting any of this to happen, but I've tasted what real move of God looks like. Oh, when he comes to win people who don't know him, you need to be praying. You need to be the substitute teachers. You need to see what God wants to do. We need to take our positions seriously. We need to realize you're not there for money. If you're working somewhere for money, then you are out of line. Why are you there? Kingdom purposes. Why are you there for the kingdom purposes? I'm not talking in with the religious spirit. I'm not talking in your flesh. I did exactly what they told me to do as a teacher. I told the principal, I said, I said, I promise I haven't touched anybody. I said, I was just sitting there. And we we're talking about Africa. I showed this thing with Africa and he goes, great, great. We're so excited. We're so excited. We just don't want you to touch anybody because that gets us in trouble and we don't want, you know, you know, anybody in our business. I said, okay. He goes, well, just keep doing what you're doing. And so I can't remember for how long. I don't remember to be honest, but for however long it was every day, they would come play recess. They would all sit around me and want to hear the word. And then I ran into some parents years later. And one lady told me, when my son was in your class, he got called into ministry and he's at ministry, he's at seminary now. I had someone else tell me, you just, my kid turned around so different. I never knew it was the same kid. Yet we have Christian teachers sitting in schools all the time and nothing seems to be happening. We have nurses. You need to take God, put it this way. He's with you if you're born again. You need to yield to him everywhere you go. And when God says, don't stop it, you didn't start it, then don't stop it. Because if, if he closes that door and they kick you out, but somebody's got saved on their deathbed, then he'll open another door. We've got to quit living a little compartmentalized life as a Christian and be who he says we're to be because he wants us to shine in this hour. He wants us to reveal that we are not bowing our knees to Pharaoh. We need to be the ones who can calm a crowd. We need to be the ones who can pray in an instant if something's happened. We need to be the ones that if somebody comes in crazy, 
you take authority in the name of Jesus. And you need to not do it with pretended faith. And you need to not do it with hidden knowledge. You need to yield to Holy Spirit and see what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. And every day of your life is a practice session that's real. You take authority in your families. You take authority over what's going on in your homes. You pray. You do. If you don't get authority at home, he even says in his word, then you're not even supposed to be in any kind of leadership. You want, you want this. You want that. I'm not saying about you guys. I wish some of you would want some more. <laughs> but God wants us in your homes. Unconditional love tells people your adult children get to make their own decisions, but they need to know where you stand, but not self-righteously, but just like, well, this is where I stand with this. And then you love them. And we need to quit judging how other parents handle things. You need to train up your kids in the way they should go. You need to train them up according to the society they live in. If you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild, you need to tell them and pray over them that they are a boy or a girl. We, we've never lived in a society where we actually thought doctors would ask us what our preference was. I'm telling you, you all want to know what the, I'm telling you, parents of young kids, you need to start telling them now, not in a stupid way, okay? So you could say, hey, I'm so glad God gave me this son. You know, you're my son. I love that God gave me you as a daughter. And, and let me just... They're, they're saying really blunt stuff out in the world to your kids and on commercials and TV. You better get control of what they're watching. And you know what? Don't ever take them to a movie before the movie starts because the previews are demonic. The previews are demonic and they're all around them. And if you love your child at all or when your child, grandchildren, your care, you need to get serious about they what they watch and don't watch. And if you're a kid... Get serious about doing what God would have you do because everybody is affected by what goes in your eye gates and your ear gates. So look what, after they make their stand, the Pharaoh says, we're going to make it worse on them. But what did they do? You can't back down. Our nation's very divided, so we only have half our nation is bowing to Pharaoh. The other half is standing to some degree, but we need to pray for those nations to stand strong. We need to really be praying for Virginia. We were under Pharaoh. We were in captivity just two years ago. And we need to pray that we never go back into captivity and mean it. And we need to start standing up for every including Newport News. Newport News is such a city of captivity, it's not funny. And we need to really pray. And I don't have to be here on a Friday night for you to pray, and you don't have to be in this building to pray. And if anybody wants to have prayer meetings, and I know you, then talk to me, because you can have prayer meetings. All right. Then you can look through Exodus 9.13. He says again, let my people go. Um, let me go to Exodus 9, 9.1, Jehovah, the Lord tells Moses to go in the Pharaoh again and say to him, so says Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, send away my people that they may serve me. In the U.S., we're not asking them to send away. In the U.S., we're saying, 
You are not going to dictate what the church does. You're not going to dictate what Christians' owners do. You're not going to dictate it. If you refuse to send away and you still hold on to them. So if you refuse to let us have our freedoms in our nation that God's given us, it says, Behold, the hand of Jehovah is going to be on your livestock in the field, on the horses, camels, herds, of flocks, a very heavy pestilence. Now here's, here's a spiritual law. Jehovah will make a distinction between Israel's livestock and Egypt's livestock. Also, all that belong to the sons of Israel, not a thing will die. As we're getting in a place to grow up and looking at the book of Revelations and not looking for a quick way out, we need to recognize we need to begin to be people of such powerful faith that we know and not just hid knowledge. We begin to exercise this. When you walk through a trial, especially a trial where uh, you're facing life or death, then you're going to build your revelation and confidence there that God is really my protector, that God will not let the enemy just come and kill, steal, and destroy, that I am going to love this God, serve this God, look to this God, and thank this God, and I'm going to learn that this may take a lot of trusting him. This may take a lot of laying down this being about me and this being about being, getting to be a prideful thing, right? Pride. Remember, pride is our enemy. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. How many would not like to have destruction? Okay, so be thankful that God humbles us. Be thankful he doesn't do everything we say when we say it, even when we say it in his name, because if it's coming from pride, he's not supposed to honor it because he, he resists us when we do that, and he wants us to submit to him. And, and he will take care of the humble. How many, some of you don't know, but some of us know. When you start to walk in things and you see God really do things and you see real miracles and you see real power and you see him intervening in situations that are amazing, it tries to puff you up. For those who are beat up all the time and you haven't ever got to that, could you please get Tuesday's night teaching and start overcoming Get Tuesday's night teaching and start overcoming. And then you'll have a different enemy. Instead of low self-esteem and feeling bad all the time, you'll have this thing called pride looking at you, trying to come in to say, look, look, now you have all the answers. Look, now you can do anything you want. Now no problem shall befall you. Could anybody show me that scripture? Jesus says, don't worry, you'll have trouble tomorrow. That's okay. We're going to establish you. You've got to look at these trials. And you want to get a lot of mileage out of a trial. Because you don't know what's ahead, but God does. And you want to get every... Quit murmuring. Quit complaining. Quit moving into pretended faith. Quit trying to make things over that aren't over yet. And grow in God. Once again, get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes on the Lord. He's doing all this in this. He's been doing this, but he's really doing this now to prepare us for not a thing to die. All right. Then go, and it keeps on going, and you know, finally, they, they let them go. But then if you get to Exodus 32, Exodus 32, now they're already out by Exodus 32. They are out. Um, 
It's funny, Numbers 32 and Exodus 32, you get into this whole other place about this. So let me go to Exodus 32. Like I said, you, it would take way, it would take a couple years to preach all this about Moses. So we're not doing it. We're just going to go over, I'm going over what we need now to handle the pestilence and the things that are trying to come at our nation. All right. Exodus 32.1. All right. Get ready for this one. And the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, and the people gathered to Aaron. And they said to him, Rise up, make for us gods who may go before our face. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the rings of gold which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people broke off the rings of gold in their ears. They brought them to Aaron, and they took them from their hands and formed it with an engraving tool, and they made a calf. And then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who made you go up from the land of Egypt. Now, Aaron, you guys, he's like the brother to Moses. And he's a guy left in charge when Moses is up on the mountaintop. Now, I'm very thankful that when I go somewhere, not that anybody's left in charge, Karen does not have a spirit of Aaron. <laughs> she yields to Holy Spirit. So she's not going to present other gods in this place. And we don't want leaders to present other gods. We don't want Bible study leaders. We don't want men's pastors, children's pastors. We want to all be clear on who God really is. Okay. Anyway, now listen to this. Um, and Jehovah spoke to Moses, come, go down for your people whom you, whom you've, whom you caused to go up from Egypt are corrupted. They have quickly turned off from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves calves and have bowed to it. They sacrificed it. And they have said, these are our gods. And Jehovah said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, they are stiff-necked people. Okay, we need to pray against being stiff-necked. What is that? Stubborn, set in your ways. You've already decided how things work. Um, nobody's going to change your mind. You don't believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for today. You don't believe in healing or you don't believe in this or you don't believe in that or whatever, whatever. Get rid of being stiff-necked. It's a really bad thing. Okay. And so God says, look at him. It's, he's basically saying, no matter what I do, no matter what I show them, no matter what they hear, no matter how I reveal myself, they still want to believe the way they want to believe. So we need to pray. If we want to see God save our nation and we want to see our young people come into the things of God, we need to pray against the spirit of being stiff-necked. We need to pray against people who've already made their decisions and they're not changing their minds. And how many know that is a strong spirit in the whole woke thing? But it's kind of a strong spirit in the church, isn't it? We don't believe that God does miracles today. We, we believe unless you're flowing in the Holy Spirit like we're flowing in the Holy Spirit, then it's really not God. And so we got so much division in the body of Christ. We got people. It is funny. As soon as the Asbury things start all over the Internet, all of a sudden everybody, you know, has to give their opinion. And everybody has to run there and say their two cents worth. And then people just start getting a little corrected by other people. And then it kind of changed. And it wasn't so much everybody attacking everybody. And, and my, my thing is, 
I want God to show me me in this stuff. I want him to show me what is it. Like, I want to see what can we prepare for now? What can I prepare for now, led by spirit, to help however he wants me to help for what he's doing now to go to something powerful? Like, how do we do this? How, how do we get evan Lord, how do we train up evangelists who really go out with this kind of power? Because while you watch how bold they were to go out and somebody got the idea, you know, for little tracks that we use today and don't even hardly think about, and they go out and they hand this stuff out and people are getting saved and they're sharing the gospel. You guys, we actually have a generation, unfortunately, in our nation who do not know who Jesus is. But at least we can tell them and they don't have preconceived ideas of what they think. I'm going to go speak to a little group when I go to the Outer Banks next week and they're, they're all convinced that, that somebody from here who got saved and freed from New Age and healed and stuff, they're just all concerned that she's in a cult. That must be a cult. Because we preach the real word of God. It's like if it can't be some traditional no lifeless kind of religion, then it can't be real Christianity. Yet the same people are taking in all kinds of demons with yoga and all kinds of demons with new age thinking and that superior prideful thing. And yet, so, so it's like, so I'm just going to go and reveal the true Jesus. I'm just going to go reveal the true Jesus. This is how way back we got through a lot of young people who were in, in drug addiction, who had had it with a powerless church. And so I went in the first time I went in, um, I got, I said, I can get, I just, I get higher than you in five seconds. And God got me high in the Holy spirit. They're like, wow. And then the Lord had me, um, this is not, you know, this is not very traditional people. This is years ago. God had me look at them and do this, and they all fell like bullets hit them, and they hit the ground. The, what was that? What was that? I said, that was Holy Spirit. Jesus is real. Not a single one of them doesn't believe. Not all of them gave their lives to the Lord, but some of them did. And the ones who didn't chose not to, knowing he was real. And some of them completely sold out. And some of them still love God. They just won't deal with some of the hurt issues. Well, you know what? That kind of evangelism is coming back. Because there are people who don't believe he's real. That's what the biggest message is if you listen to these kids. At the, he's real. I pray everybody in here knows he's real. And if you have something to block you from really knowing he's real, you need to cry out to God with fasting and prayer. It's really awesome knowing he's real. You, you couldn't convince me he wasn't real in a, in a trillion, billion, million beyond that years. Why? Because I know he's real. Now, there's people who have had signs and wonders that are false, but they still don't know in their heart how real he is. He's real because his word is true, and he does things according to his word. He's real because he is powerful. Peter walked by, true apostle Peter walked by, and just being within the length of his shadow, you fell down and got healed under the power of God. I don't believe for one second that the gospel is going to be less powerful in the ending before the return of Christ than it was at the beginning in the church. 
And so I'm not coming against at all those who've gone deeper in God and have walked in the power of God and the gifts of God and the things of God. But I am telling those people, including myself, we need to humble ourselves before God and get free from pride. And then we need to see how do we do this thing to train up and equip people that God's going to start bringing in. I believe every church everywhere is going to be full. Nobody's going to stop what God's doing now. Um, okay. Jehovah says to Moses, I've seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone. Now here's the Lord saying to Moses, leave me alone. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of relationship with God where he'll say, would you just leave me alone? Quit bothering me about this. You can see this real relationship with God that Moses had. How amazing is that? That is available to every born-again believer today. Every born-again believer today. Now leave me alone that my anger can glow against them, that I may consume them, and I will make you a great nation. Now here's what he's saying. Look, Moses, I've had it with these guys. I'm wiping them out. You leave for a few days to hang out with me. And they go and get Aaron to take and make idols of gold. Okay, don't act like we don't have idols. All your stuff is an idol. All your money in the bank is an idol. Everything that you look to before you look to God is an idol. Now, if you look to God first and you know you're going to be okay if all that's gone, not that you want it gone, but you're not worshiping it. They actually took the plunder that they got leaving Egypt that God gave them that they didn't need because he took care of them. And where they were, they couldn't spend it. Where they were, they couldn't spend it. I mean, no. We almost had two years where where we were, we couldn't spend it. Except for the chosen few who still got to bring us stuff. So God says, don't talk to me about these people. Moses prays before the face of the Lord is God and said, I love this. Moses is like, no, 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 no. I don't want a nation without them. Wow. If that doesn't convict everybody, it convicts me. Because I think I'd say, okay, God, I'll take a nation without them. <laughs> Just... You're cool. I want my family. I want some of my friends. But if the rest of these stiff-necked people don't want you, they don't want to get free, they want to serve other gods, they want to do this mess, then do what you have to. Okay, so I'm honest. But my heart would be to have his heart. My heart would be that we don't have a nation divided. My heart should be that we don't have a church divided. And God is dealing with these heart issues. And Moses is amazing because Moses could have been given everything and started over. And Moses prays before the face of the Lord God and says, Why, O Jehovah, does your anger glow against your people? <laughs> I love this. <clears throat> Whom you caused to go up from the land of Egypt with your great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say, for evil, has, for evil he has caused them to go up to kill them in the mountains and to consume them on the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, O Lord. Be moved to pity as to the evil that's being done, that wants to be done to your people. 
Remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and you spoke to them. I will multiply your seed like the stars of the heavens and all this land which I have said I will give to your seed and they shall possess it forever. Now listen to this. That prayer, not manipulative, moved the heart of God. This is the prayer we need to ask God to make real in our hearts because it says, and Jehovah was moved to pity concerning the evil which he had spoken to do to his people. Okay, really listen to this, because this is where we're at as a nation. If we don't recognize that we need a move of God among the woke people, among the celebrities, among the, the everybody, if we don't understand that we need to cry out for them, even though everything they're doing against God, everything they're saying against God, everything they're doing to, to say who needs God. If we don't cry out for them and intercede for them and ask God to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I know we're not Israelites. I know we're not under the same covenant but we were put in this nation and this was a nation under God, which makes our nation different. Our nation was founded. The reason they're trying to wipe out our history, the reason they're trying to wipe out anything real about God having to do with this is so that we don't know that we have authority on the promises for this nation to stand before God and intercede for our nation. And if we don't, then we will become a nation without much power and a lot of division and a lot of war and a lot of fighting, which is what the enemy is working really overtime to do, right? He's trying to destroy our resources. He's trying to destroy our military. He's trying to destroy um, our schools. He's trying to destroy everything, right? He's trying to destroy this nation, okay? He's trying to destroy this nation to take away the authority of this nation as being a nation with authority given to us by God. And if we don't love our nation and love praying for the people in our nation and we begin to be as divided as um, our nation is, then what you're really asking for is for God to take part of the nation and bless it. Does anybody know you cannot have a nation like our nation split up a million ways and there be a very strong um, nation? So we got to get our hearts right. We got to be excited to see from God's perspective the hearts on these wounded people who come against God after being brought up in this nation. We got to get rid of our pride. We've got to get rid of our attitude issues. We've got to get rid of our own lukewarmness. We've got to learn how do I love and not have an attitude about it? How do I speak truth in love? The, the families are divided because of this. That's why th these Tuesday nights, these teaching on the religious spirit, the um, pretended faith spirit, the mocking spirit that actually imitates spiritual things. You know, 
God did not have me ask for discernment on purpose for a long time. And there are a lot of hurt people who won't deal with their issues because they want their identity to be in spiritual things, but they won't get free to have their identity in Christ. And God's going to do something about that. If you go into the prophetic churches, the charismatic churches these days, there is so much mixture that, that it's, it's, and it's supernatural mixture. So it's, it's, it's so hard to be there. God wants to set those people free. If you go into the non-charismatic churches, there's such a self-righteous religious spirit or a lukewarm spirit. The church is a mess right now. Because the people of God are a mess right now. So the people of God have got to get their eyes on God. And then we have to rescue people. We have to get rescued, and then we have to rescue people. We have to get rescued. People who aren't rescued, who are rescuing people, what are they rescuing them to? Their delusion? Right? Their delusion, their counterfeit, their mess. There's so much to be done. Here's the exciting part. God has heard the prayers of his people praying for this nation and praying for our young people. And he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. I'm not going to get to the other part because it's already 12. But read numbers. See what happens to these people even after this, after God spares them. See what happens to them. Next Sunday, how many want to hear what happens to these people after God listened to Moses? Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster beauty for ashes ministry we'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic god bless you